Hello, and welcome to the 40th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. 40. Oh my gosh. I know. How you doing, babe? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm better. This week was rough. Sorry. I had a lot of anxiety issues this week, but I'm coming out of the dark. You know, 40 is nothing to be anxious about. I'm not 40. I'm 42. I'm talking about the 40th episode. Oh, right. Oh, no. This doesn't give me anxiety. This oh, okay. is fun. All right. No, I think it's, you know, menopause. You're only 42. <laughs> I blame everything if you on were menopause. 52, <laughs> we could literally start a family right no. now. Oh, God, no. Oh, take we that could back. Start having kids now. Suck that back in, Daniel. Suck it back in. I just saw a family the other day. They had to have been in, like pushing fifty, and they had little kids. Are you sure it wasn't their grandkids? No, 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 absolutely not. She was you breastfeeding. Tell oh, oh, hey, good for her. No, I'm just saying. So right. for us, we're young. We could pull it off. No, oh God. Anyway, sorry no. to start it off in an uncomfortable. I know, right? Menopause and children. Everyone's there we go. Yelling at us, mm. all our co-breeders from California. <laughs> I know you're supposed to now say hello, breeders. Hello, breeders. <laughs> Greetings. All right. Well, let's start this crazy podcast off with a shout out to one of our eleven listeners. Who doesn't like a shout out? I know we do. This is from Micah K, and this is titled "Love the One Liners." And it's five stars. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Micah says, stumbled on this podcast a few days ago, and it's right up my alley. Funny discussions and storytelling. I love your guys' banter and love Daniel's quick (laughs) one-liners. I was listening to the most recent episode about Rodney and Daniel's line about him getting molested in prison (laughs) because he's a young buck and getting a nickname of Ramrod. (laughs) Had me laughing so hard, my husband had to come in and check on what I what was so funny. One of my favorites. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Wow. Micah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really glad that he makes you laugh. <laughs> as long as somebody's laughing, that's fair. <laughs> I'm laughing. Okay, that's true. Yeah. So thank you, Micah. And we'd love more of these, you guys. I think we only have a couple more left. <laughs> so <laughs> if you could send in reviews that would be awesome and we're having stickers made so eventually when those actually happen we will send each person that we shouted out and each person that gave us a review a lovely sticker i love stickers i guess people like stickers now i guess that's a thing it's like a removable tattoo is it they're not very removable though our kids put freaking stickers everywhere and trying to get those things off with some Moderate work, they can come off. (laughs) Right. All right, baby. Got some factoids for me? I got something. All right. Lay it on me. (laughs) Okay. So, back by popular demand, we're going to do more animal love stories. Yes! Yay! Because there's a few left. <laughs> okay, let me let me apologize. These make me laugh. So if I'm laughing too much, I apologize to all of you. <laughs> I think this is more for her 
than for I mean, people thought it was hilarious. They did. They but really I don't know that these. it was hilarious or listening to Melissa just giggle her butt off. <laughs> All right. So people request more um, adult aerobics factoids All right. and animal factoids. So here you go. Okay. So I'll start over and say, welcome to more animal aerobic <laughs> rituals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's start off with a banana slug. <laughs> banana slugs are hermaphrodites. <laughs> they can act as both male and female at the same time. Good for them. And on rare occasions, they can mate with themselves. <gasps> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. And there's that. Their Latin name is Dolly Chophilus or Dolly Chophallus, which means <laughs> giant penis. <laughs> Which is fitting because they all do have enormous penises, almost as long as their entire body length. What? If they don't choose a mate of the same size, they can get their penises <laughs> stuck. Leaving them, the only option is to bite off the other slug's organ. That's awful. How okay. jacked up is the animal world? Really, really. So if God a, if had a, a sense of humor. If an attractive banana slug slugs by, slugs, and she's just slightly smaller than than me, I'll just put myself as first person, first <laughs> slug, and we decide to go at it. Uh huh. Can't get it back out. So you have to gnaw it off. So she or he, except they're hermaphrodites, so I don't know. Someone has to chew that thing off. Oh, my gosh. It's like a rat stuck in a cage. Oh, my gosh. I mean, a rat stuck in a rat trap. You know, they chew their legs off. Gross. Yeah, and then there's that. Praying mantises. I think most people have heard of the praying mantis, right? It's very unfortunate. The male risks getting eaten by the female. Um, They usually bite their heads off to start. He's lured by the pheromones to the female, so he can't even help himself. He's just, just goes near her and... Right. There you go. Males may or may not get to mate before the female bites his head off. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Males make up about 60% of the female's diet during the mating season. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. Just Can you brilliant. imagine? It's just... Uh, what? Biting your head off? Yeah. I mean, good no. Lord. Here's an interesting bit of in- useless information. Females that eat the males appear to lay more eggs (laughs) oh so sometimes they don't eat them yeah sometimes they live to mate another day yes some not all of them but some of them manage to mate and get away okay so if she's a lot of them end up getting eaten in the process okay so if she's hungry then she's gonna eat them right but all those extra nutrients she lays more eggs oh so it's a win-win for her yeah kind of giraffes Giraffe. Oh, God. Okay. Males need to find out whether the female is ready before attempting to mate. That's important. How do you do that? Um, He drinks her urine. Uh, oh, God. I guess it has a particular taste. So he's like, oh, she is. Oh, God. Wait. She wait. is hot for the... What? So does she pee in a cup and then he drinks it? Or like, is it coming out and he drinks it? I guess if there's a natural cup-shaped uh. hole in the ground, <laughs> like a bowl... <laughs> Or does he like lick the grass? I don't know. You can wow. let your imagination go with it, that. It's going. 
It's gone um, crazy. I mean, they have really long necks, <laughs> so I imagine he can go wherever he needs to go. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Once he knows she is ready, Ooh. then he has to fight off the competition mm-hmm. from other males. And then they use their huge long necks to swing and kind of beat the other males away. Okay. I've seen that on like Discovery Channel or Disney World. Right. Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you could say they beat off the competition. <laughs> I don't know. It's giraffes. <laughs> it's giraffes. Um, garden snails, kind of mm-hmm. similar to the banana slugs. Okay. Snails are hermaphrodites, so they have both male and female organs. Okay. But instead of competing with each other to decide who gets to be the male, Mm -hmm. both snails are impregnated. Oh, Oh, that's why we have so many snails in this world. It gets stranger, though. Okay. Sperm is injected by stabbing each other (laughs) with a sharp reproductive organ. (laughs) Is that the penis? You know what it's called? What? It's nicknamed Mm. a love dart. Mm. (laughs) So I think that should absolutely stick for everything. Oh, we'll just, you when wanna... we talk about adult aerobics, we'll also refer to penises as love darts. Yes! Moving forward, that's it. From this day forward, it's From a love this dart. day forth, okay. penises will be known as love darts. All right, cool. All right, where the hell was I? I forgot. Love darts. Getting repeatedly stabbed. <laughs> takes its toll (laughs) and over time could result in death. So I'm thinking next time we see a dead snail, (laughs) it could be from too much snail aerobics. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're just worn out and they die. Yes. Okay. It's kind of like the 85-year-old millionaire with the 22-year-old girlfriend. Yes. Dying with a smile on his face. Yeah. All right. Great gray shrike. This is a small bird. It's a little, little, little Little pretty little bird. Okay. Like humans, animals give gifts of food to females to try and, you know. Yeah, that's how you got me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. The northern shrike, or great gray shrike, they hunt insects and reptiles and mammals like toads and mice, and they impale them on (laughs) sticks. And and they do that to present to the female. Oh, here you go. Like a nice mouse pop or a toad sickle. We give flowers. They, they give and then they present it for their would-be the ladybird. Okay. That's, so they're just That's hilarious. I would love I got to look up a picture. Yeah. They got to have found a picture of like a toad on a stick. Yeah. That this little bird has built and presented to the female. Yeah, I need to uh get pictures of these and post them for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like a banana slug impaled yeah because the banana slugs are like the size of your palm right aren't they huge they're pretty big okay they can be all right so this is um horrifically interesting (laughs) um this is called cloaca mating cloaca mating so almost all birds and chickens and all that have sex via cloaca that is the orifice that is does everything it's the Poop. It's a butthole. <laughs> it's everything. It's the it's the vagina, the butthole, everything. Oh god. Yeah, okay. Um it's cool. an opening common to both males and females. So both have it. Okay. I did know that birds poop and pee out of the same hole. Right. So that's also the sexual Right. So it's okay. both fertilization and waste elimination. <laughs> out of the same hole. 
<laughs> Males are usually positioned on top of females, and in the seconds it takes for their swollen cloaca to meet, he can pass sperm into her oviduct. Only 3% of male birds, including ducks and ostriches, actually have penises. Majority do not. So they're basically hole to hole. Oh, yeah. I get it. So there's not actually like an object being inserted no, into the hole. No, they just have hole. to line their holes up and go for it. <gasps> what? Yes. Okay, I'm I'm floored. All right, so here we go. Here's an interesting fact. Okay. Some creatures, including some turtles, those that dive underwater, rely on cloacal respiration. And uh. that is they absorb <laughs> water into this, basically their rectum. Okay. To get oxygen from the water. They have air bladders connected to this cloaca that absorbs air from the water. So they're breathing with their... Butthole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then there's that. They don't put that on the little plaque that tells you about turtles at the zoo. No, and if they did, it would be so much better. Why don't they do that? Those are the things that are interesting you, to yeah, people. Yeah, if you look this up, it's it's instantly com- pops up. It's really fascinating. Wow. Here's another one that's interesting. Various fish, as well as some worms and even crabs, take advantage of the constant flow of water through the cloacal respiratory (laughs) tree, they call it a respiratory tree, (laughs) of sea cucumbers, while at the same time getting protection by living within the sea cucumber itself. At night, many of these species emerge from the anus of the (laughs) sea cucumber to in search of food. So they live... They crawl into their butt and and hide... And then when they're ready, they crawl out of their butt and go look for food. Like that's their home. But meanwhile, there's all this water coming through because that's how the sea cucumber absorbs oxygen. And it's called cloacal respiratory tree of the sea cucumber. What a perfect little habitat. So you wake up and you go, I've got a weird feeling. And then a crab crawls out of your (laughs) butt. If you're a sea cucumber. See you later. I'm going to go get some food. <laughs> Talk to you later. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, probably that's enough. funny. All right. That was good. <sighs> I have learned something new. Yes. Cloacal mating. Cloacal. All right. I'm going to be posting pictures of the cloacal yeah. for sure. And then there's that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, honey. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Daniel. Yep. You ready for my case? Sure. All right. This is the case of Bob and Martha Ann McClancy. Okay. I want to show you a picture of Martha, though. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. And then you tell me who Martha looks like. All right. Here you go. Um, she looks a lot like my mom. She looks exactly like your mom. That's weird. It was really weird to do research on this case because I just kept seeing pictures of her popping up and I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) that looks like my mother-in-law. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's her doppelganger. That is kind of creepy. I guess we all have a doppelganger in this world. Hmm. Okay, so try not to picture your mom when I'm telling you this horrible story. Mm -hmm. All All right. With that. With that, here we go. All right. On May 15th, 2006... 
in the small and rural unincorporated community of Coker Creek near the town of Teleco Plains, located at the base of the Southern Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee, a call came into the Monroe County Police Department around 5 p.m. A 52-year-old man by the name of Chuck Kazmarzik had walked into the home of his best friend, 56-year-old Bob McClancy, and found him lifeless and sitting in his recliner. Uh Uh-oh. 911, what is your emergency? In Coker Creek? I just walked into the residence, the McClancy residence. The, uh, Mr. McClancy appears to be, uh, expired. I can't get a pulse, and he appears to be cold to the touch. Wow. He appears to be cold to the touch. So either is or did you touch him? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The 911 operator then asks if he would try CPR, to which Chuck says, there's no point. Oh, my gosh. He has a loaded firearm in his hand and a bottle of pills in the other. Well, okay. And then there's that. Chuck then says, within the last two weeks, he has had two confirmed overdoses and he was just released from the psych unit at uh, Johnson City a VA medical center on Saturday. (laughs) Within a few minutes, emergency personnel were at the secluded property. Now, I read that in kind of his voice. Right. In that I wanted you to hear that there was like barely any emotion in his voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just walked into his best friend dead and... There was, like, no emotion. He wasn't worked up at all. No, It sounds very, very calm. Yes, too calm. Chuck told investigators that he was there to check on his best friend and help with the odd jobs around the house. Police quickly noted that there wasn't any sign of forced entry into the home. Bob McClancy was laying back in his favorite recliner. In Bob's right hand was a loaded thirty-eight caliber pistol, and in his left hand was a prescription bottle. Bob also had white foam around his mouth, which is an indication of an overdose. And scattered around his chest and stomach were loose pills. Police also saw a do not resuscitate order signed by Bob on the kitchen counter. And it looked as though it had been strategically placed for anyone to easily find. Hmm. Police learned from Chuck that only two days before, Bob had been released from the VA hospital after attempting suicide by an overdose of his PTSD medications, and that Bob had been suffering from nightmares, flashbacks, depression, and anxiety for decades that all stemmed from his two tours in Vietnam during the height of the Vietnam War. Oh, that sucks. I know. But something seemed very off about Chuck. He had just walked in and found his best friend dead, and yet he was so cold and mechanical when talking about Bob, and the scene seemed staged. Around 6 p.m., Bob's wife of 10 years, 56-year-old Martha Ann McClancy, arrived home. She had been notified at work that Bob was deceased and raced home as quickly as she could. She just wanted to see Bob one last time. Martha Ann ran up to the home's front door, but because the area was now an active crime scene, she was stopped and led to the passenger seat of a patrol car. While being comforted by a friend, Martha became irate as she watched Bob's best friend Chuck being escorted out of the house in handcuffs and put into the back of a patrol car and driven away. Chuck was on his way down to the county sheriff's office. An investigator had found something, and it didn't look good for Chuck. Oh, man. What's up with Chuck? 
While searching the house for more clues, an investigator came upon a backpack belonging to Bob. Okay, so this is this is what I think. I think they kept searching the home because Bob's body looked so staged. Totally. Yeah. So they just kept looking for more evidence that I mean they just felt that something was off. Right. Once unzipped, the investigator noticed a digital camera and began searching through the photos. Guess what the most recent photos were of? What? <laughs> exactly what the investigators were looking at at that exact moment. The crime scene. What? Bob sitting in his recliner, dead. But only one photo had both the gun and the pill bottle in it. The others were different variations. One had just the pill bottle and no gun. One had just the gun and no pill bottle. And one where Bob is holding nothing at all. But the last photo was that of the scene that everyone had walked into. When asked about whose camera that was, Chuck answered that it was his. Investigators were shocked. Had Chuck staged this entire scene? They needed to get Chuck talking as soon as possible. So he picked the best one. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. To see what it would look like. Exactly. At first, Chuck told investigators that he'd found Bob dead on the recliner and did take those photos and staged the scene, but only because he needed it to look undoubtedly like a suicide to make sure that Martha Ann would get the insurance money from the VA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Just like that. Just like that. But during his second interrogation, Chuck said that Bob was not dead when he entered the house, that Bob was barely breathing. Chuck had been told by the VA to document everything having to do with Bob's PTSD. Chuck, not thinking Bob was going to die, staged the scene so it would look like a suicide attempt and that Bob might receive more help and benefits if pictures from the incident were shown. What? He literally watched his friend die and then called 911. Like he's saying his friend is alive while he's staging this scene. Oh, my gosh. Right. And then, oops, I didn't act on this, and my friend just died. Wow. With friends like him, you don't need enemies. Exactly. Holy crap. Chuck could have gotten him help right away, and Bob might still be alive. Poor Bob. I know. Chuck was charged with tampering with evidence and criminal neglect negligence. Damn it, Melissa. (laughs) And criminal negligence. But the case against Chuck never made it to trial because the photos were found by the Monroe County Sheriff's Department without a search warrant. And since the camera was Chuck's and not Bob's, investigators needed a search warrant to look through the photos on the camera. Chuck was free to go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But these investigators were like, well, why do we need a search warrant? This is the dead guy's house. Right. So we can search through this house how because they, he's how deceased. How would they know? Exactly. How would they know that that was Chuck's camera? Because it was in Bob's backpack. Isn't was he hiding it in the... Bob's backpack? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was hiding it in Bob's backpack. I think that now belongs to Bob in the scene because it's... Because it's it was in his backpack. His backpack. But it was Chuck's camera, which they needed a search warrant to go through the photos but on the camera. how would they know they need a search warrant for the camera? You wouldn't. Until... Oh you gosh. wouldn't know that unless there was big fat lettering on the on the camera that said property of Chuck. Don't don't look at it without a search warrant. <laughs> right. 
Oh, that just makes me so mad. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, that's that's an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about Bob. Let's talk about we Bob. We need to talk about Bob. Robert McClancy, a.k.a. Bob, was born in 1949 and grew up in New York. After high school, he signed up for the Marine Corps and volunteered volunteered to go to Vietnam during the war. Bob actually did two tours in Vietnam and saw lots of hand-to-hand combat. Oh, boy. I can't even imagine what this poor man saw. Bob was honorably discharged and even received a Purple Heart. Oh, wow. Yeah. A Purple Heart is given to service members who have been wounded or killed because of enemy action while serving in the U.S. military. A Purple Heart is a solemn distinction and means a service member has greatly sacrificed themselves or paid the ultimate price while in the line of duty. Yeah. Bob made his way back to Queens and was married. That marriage did not last long, but it did result in a daughter. Once the divorce was finalized, Bob moved to Bradenton, Florida, and became a Manatee County Sheriff's Detective. Bob is described by everyone that knew him as funny, kind, an all-around good guy, and just the real deal. In the early 90s, Bob met a woman by the name of Martha Ann. She had recently been hired by the sheriff's department. Martha Ann was nicknamed the office whiz, which is good that she wasn't named like the office mattress or something. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. I knew that's where you were going. I could feel it. Sorry. (laughs) Why would you say sorry? That you already knew that's what I was going to say. She and Bob started up a friendship, but things turned romantic soon after. There was only one problem, though. What's that? Martha Ann was married. Ugh. See? Aw, these married people. Why do people got to make it so complicated? I don't know. (sighs) They thrive in chaos, I think. All right. Martha Ann was born in 1949 in Tennessee. Martha Ann was always very ambitious and smart. She always had to be the best at everything she did. While attending the University of Tennessee, Martha Ann met her first husband. Martha Ann's one and only ambition in life was to be a wife and a mother, so she dropped out of college, got married, and moved to sunny Florida. Martha Ann and her first husband adopted their first son named Sean, and four years later, they had a baby boy together. Now, I don't usually say the kids' names, but I am going to talk about Sean because He is very vocal about this case. Okay. And he deserves to be mentioned because he's actually very important to this case. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But the marriage wasn't perfect, and the couple began having issues and growing distant. When Martha Ann's husband was in between jobs, she would get office-type work to supplement their income. During one of these periods, Martha had been hired on at the Manatee County Sheriff's Department as a secretary where Bob worked. Before Martha left her husband, she wanted to make sure that the boys liked Bob. One weekend, she and her boys went to stay with Bob. He took them fishing and got to know Martha's boys one-on-one. The boys immediately liked Bob, and Martha took that as a sign that it was time to leave her marriage. Martha went home and filed for divorce. Her husband moved out, and Bob moved right on in. So while she's married... Mm -hmm. She's like, hey, kids, yeah. uh, I want you to go meet someone, and he's going to take you fishing. And if it turns out well, yeah, uh, dad's moving out, and he's moving in. How's that sound to you? Yep, that's exactly what happened. And the boys were older. So um, they knew. Not teenagers, but like 
where they would remember that. So they knew this was probably a replacement for their dad. Yes. Sort of. But the thing I want to say is that when Sean talks about Bob, he talks about him with such admiration and love that he was not just a stepdad, he was a bonus dad. Right. And like Sean says that Bob taught him how to be a man. Hmm. Bob was very instrumental in molding these two boys into the wonderful men that they are now. Right. So props to Bob. Okay, but I also think that Martha Ann is a overlapper. Oh, totally. Yeah. And if anybody doesn't know what an overlapper is, you will now because I'm going to tell you, but it's a person that that goes from relationship to relationship, but they overlap. So they want to make sure that in leaving the current relationship that they're in, that the grass is greener with this other person they're interested in. I think that's more true of women than men. I think so too. I think women are more overlappers than men are. Totally. Men just cheat. Not all men. A small amount of men yeah. <laughs> will just cheat to cheat, right? right? Okay, but women tend to cheat as an overlapper to make sure that the next relationship is better than the one that they're in. They're cheating with a plan. They're cheating. Yes. Yes, you get it. Like men think with their head, women think with their real head. (laughs) Yes. See? So see how that works? So Martha is an overlapper. Yes, she's an overlapper. Martha, Ann, and Bob were smitten. They fell head over heels for one another and were married in 1995. Martha Ann's two sons really liked Bob, and he became an amazing bonus dad. One big happy family. Bob and Martha Ann stayed in Florida for four more years, but when it came time to retire, they both decided they wanted a simpler life, and they packed up and moved 10 hours away to the community of Coker Creek in eastern Tennessee, population of 800. Wow. They were only 49. Okay. They were going to start the second half of their life in Tennessee together, which is cool. Assuming they lived to be almost 100. Right. The couple purchased a cabin that was surrounded by the Cherokee National Forest and with property big enough for Bob to start an animal rescue. Not only was Bob a wonderful guy, but he loved animals. Bob always had dogs, cats, birds, goats, and pigs. To make extra income, 49-year-old Bob had tried to get on at the local sheriff's department, but there wasn't any openings, so Bob would do odd farming jobs around town. 49-year-old Martha Ann took an office position in a town called Sweetwater, about 31 miles away. To friends and family, the couple seemed content and happy. They began attending a local church and made new friends who quickly became like family. Life seemed perfect in Tennessee. With everything going so well, family and friends were surprised to learn that after the holiday season of 1995, Bob would be checking himself into a six-week program through the VA, located in Nashville, that would help Bob deal with his PTSD. Hmm. The side effects of Bob's PTSD were becoming worse and worse. He was scared to go to sleep because of the continued night terrors and was frightened that one night he would be asleep have a night terror, and hurt Martha Ann. Oh, no. So in January of 2006, Bob entered the program. He was bound and determined to get healthy and return to his life renewed. And that is where Bob met his best friend, Chuck. Okay. Chuck had been in the Air Force as a gunner on a gunship and was Bob's roommate in the program. Bob and Chuck just clicked. Both understood what the other had gone through because Chuck had also served in Vietnam. 
Both had seen horrible combat. Both were suffering from PTSD. Now, a lot of Bob's PTSD stemmed from his fear that he had actually accidentally killed a friend of his that was in his unit with gunfire in Vietnam. I bet that happened a lot. I think it did. I think it did. Known and unknown. Right. I mean, how could it not? It's just, it's total chaos. Yeah. Retired firefighter Chuck Kazmarsik was considered a bit of a hero, a very decorated hero. He was a special forces airman. He had citations of valor, two purple hearts, two distinguished flying crosses, earned two silver stars during his years in the Air Force, which is the second highest award for valor in the military, and a slew of other prestigious awards. Wow, good for him. Chuck also had participated in many military missions, including the fall of Saigon in April of 1975 and the Iran hostage rescue on November 4th, 1979. And he had been invited to the inauguration of President George W. Bush in January of 2001. Wow. Cool. After their program had ended, Bob had invited Chuck to his home for a barbecue, where he met the lovely Martha Ann. Chuck became a pillar of strength for Bob, and they began spending a lot of time together. Chuck lived in Knoxville, which was about an hour and a half away from Coker Creek. They would help each other with odd jobs around their homes and really just like hung out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Martha Ann didn't mind. She liked Chuck. According to Martha Ann and Chuck, Bob began sinking further and further into his depression associated with PTSD. Oh, bummer. He was getting agitated and irritable and sometimes just plain mean. Martha Ann also stated to friends that Bob was abusing his medication. If one pill made him feel good, then he would take two, and so on and so on. Martha Ann even telling investigators that Bob had been rushed to the hospital twice in the last few weeks for an overdose. She and Chuck choosing to take him all the way into Nashville to the VA hospital three hours away. Oh, boy. Because Bob was having such a hard time functioning, Chuck took over a lot of the household duties taking care of the animals, doing repairs on the cabin, and just being around to help Martha Ann with Bob's medication and PTSD. Gotcha. Bob's autopsy report came in, and Bob's death was was ruled a suicide. Bob had two different antipsychotic medications in his system. One drug was at four times its healthy dosage, and one drug was at 20 times the recommended amount. Oh, jeez. You want to know what else is weird? Always, yes. When Martha, Ann, and Chuck would take Bob in for doctor's appointments after his overdoses, they would tell those doctors that Bob was taking too much of his medication, and Bob would get so enraged because he was telling the doctors that he was not taking the medication. What? Yeah. He was saying, I'm not taking this medication. I'm not. I don't take it. But then they're saying... That he was taking it and he was abusing it. Oh, abusing it and overdosing on it. Mm hmm. Huh. Plot thickens. Right. Bob's family and friends weren't buying it. Uh They weren't buying the suicide. Yeah. They knew that Bob would never have taken his own life. Okay. There had to be an explanation for what happened. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. You ready to get dirty? Yep. (laughs) You ready to roll around in the mud with some pigs? Nope. You are all about to lose your minds. 
I swear. I was good until the rolling around with the pigs. Right. This case probably made me the most angry out of all the cases we've done oh, so far. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Six days after Bob's death, Martha Ann and Chuck were spotted at a concert together. And the chitter chatter surrounding Chuck and Martha Ann's relationship began circling around the small Tennessee town. Oh, boy. Chuck had also been staying at the house, helping Martha Ann get rid of all the animals that Bob had acquired through his animal rescue. A week later, for Chuck's 53rd birthday, Martha Ann had invited some friends over to Chuck's house for dinner in Knoxville. And Martha Ann's friends noticed that she and Bob's dining set was now in Chuck's dining room. Man, she got over him quick, huh? Later that evening, Martha Ann asked if she and Chuck could tag along on a cruise some of she and Bob's friends were going on. What? Martha Ann and Chuck even sharing a cabin. Oh, jeez. Still not admitting to being in a relationship, they were a little too touchy-feely to just be friends. And they're two grown people sharing a cabin of the opposite sex. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. It's kind of obvious. Yeah. One friend getting up the courage and asking Martha Ann if she and Chuck were together. Martha Ann answered, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to get married? Asked her friend. Oh, heavens no, answered Martha Ann. No, no. But while docked in Cozumel, Chuck bought Martha Ann a beautiful engagement ring but of course, they didn't tell anybody till much later. So they're one of the people that buy jewelry in Cosmo. Yes, they are those people. And probably had matching t-shirts. Senor, too. senor you want a, a ring for your pretty wife? <laughs> Heck no, I don't want a ring. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe a margarita. No rings. Oh, Thank boy. You, Sorry, mm. go ahead. Honestly, though, the friends approved. They See, liked Chuck, oh right? Yeah. He was good to Martha Ann, and who better to take care of her than Bob's best friend? Five months after Bob's death, Chuck and Martha Ann eloped in Las Vegas, Nevada. All right. Mm-hmm. Soon after the wedding, Martha Ann told friends and family that she had met a man in the FBI, and he had hired her as his secretary in Washington, D.C., and that she would be accompany, accompanying accompanying. How do you say that? Accompanying. (laughs) Accompanying. And she would be... She'd go along with him. She'd go along with him on secret missions out of the country. What? Um, Okay. (laughs) Okay, Martha Ann. Hold on. Holy crap. Okay. So so she bounced off of Bob onto Mm -hmm. Chuck. Mm -hmm. And now she is bouncing off of him. Not really, but onto another guy. In the FBI. Right, but their relationship is just like... Purely work-related. Work-related. Boss and employee. Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Missions out of the country. Yeah, secret missions. Secret missions. Like Mission Impossible. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. I want to go. Martha Ann soon rose the ranks and had transferred into the State Department. She now had access to a limo, two passports, a government pension... And would be flying on Air Force Two with the vice president. What? Who was Dick Cheney at the time. Are you serious? <laughs> Dick Cheney. Whoa. whoa. Okay. So <laughs> within two paragraphs. Right. She goes from an 800 person little tiny podunk town. Right. 
Husband Mm -hmm. mysteriously suicide PTSD medication. Overdose. Gets remarried. Mm -hmm. To his best friend. To his best friend. And now she's on Air Force Two. Yeah. Dick Cheney. Yeah. I mean, they're going up in this world, right? Did she go hunting with him? (laughs) Sorry. All right. (laughs) Oh, that wasn't in any of the information. (laughs) But it wasn't. Sorry. That was classified. I couldn't. So if anyone needed to get a hold of Martha Ann, she might not get back to them for a month or two. In their spare time, Chuck and Martha Ann would travel around the country in their $350,000 custom motor home, visiting military facilities, presiding over ceremonies and dedications, honoring the troops. Chuck would ride in veterans parades all over the country, and being the most decorated of all the veterans, he would get top billing. So like if there was a float, he would be at the very top of the float. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good for you, Chuck. Man, she pulled it off. Didn't she, though? Chuck would give speeches at high schools, showing off all his medals, attend Air Force and Vietnam veteran reunions, would give seminars and speak at veteran events, retelling his experiences in the military, and... Chuck would even attend funerals at Arlington Cemetery and present the widow with an American flag honoring the fallen soldier. What an amazing honor. Man. Okay. What an amazing honor to be able to give the flag. That's crazy. Yeah. Chuck had even reconnected with the men he served with at a reunion of his AC-130 gunship unit called the Spectre Association. His fellow servicemen were shocked to see all of Chuck's ribbons and medals. He had come up from the lowest rank to now the highest rank. Chuck had made such an impression with his unit that he was asked to join the board, and Martha Ann was hired as the association's secretary. The power couple even began traveling internationally for the Spectre Association. They must have Dang. 25 hours in the day how while the they, rest of how, us have 24. How did they pull all this off? I don't know. How I, did she work for the State I'm Department? I'm still impressed with the motorhome. <laughs> I knew you were going to be we like. Didn't even, we didn't even go over the motorhome. We didn't motor even go over home the motorhome. Yeah, a $350,000 motorhome. Motor motor home. <laughs> it wasn't a, well, I guess, should we call it a motorhome or like a coach? It was like one of those uh, big Yeah, things. at 350 it's a coach. It's a coach. Yeah. You can get a pretty nice motorhome. Like, th- this is a bus. Yeah. But if it's a, like, a Prevo, those are, like, 600 and up. Holy moly. Most of them are pushing a million. And if they're really custom, they- For a motorhome? F- no, for a coach, for a Prevo. Okay. They look like Provost, but it's pronounced Prevo. Those are really expensive, and they're super, super custom. But that's, you oh, know, wow. high-end stuff. Like, um, How do you know stuff like that? I'm weird. <laughs> um, but you can get, so, you know, you can get it. Yeah. A really nice motorhome for a couple hundred grand. Yeah. Three, so, 400 grand. So they got to ride around in style around the U.S. going to all these functions. Yeah. And then going overseas internationally. Mm-hmm. Huh. In early 2008, Chuck gave a speech to a veterans group, and there happened to be a news reporter in the audience. Chuck was telling the room full of servicemen about his career in the military and sharing the stories behind his medals, even sharing with these veterans that he had received combat awards from the Vietnam operation that were classified awards. But wait a minute. 
There's no such thing as a classified award. Oh, no. Is this going to turn out the way I'm thinking it's going to turn out? Probably. Tell me at the end. Okay. The, re- it, yeah. right. <laughs> the reporter wrote down every word Chuck had said. Mm-hmm. Once that news article came out, it started circulating throughout the veteran groups and eventually made its way to the Spectre Association. After reading about all these missions that Chuck was saying he had been on as a gunner for the gunship, the men who had been on those mis- missions and men who had served with Chuck started calling bull. Oh, Crap. I told you you are going to get pissed. Combat veterans who knew him were saying he was a fake. Yep. Chuck was challenged by his veteran group, and that made him angry. He sent the unit all his military records to prove he was telling the truth, but they still weren't buying it. So this group then sent Chuck's military records off to the Air Force for validation who then contacted the Veterans Administration. His case was eventually assigned to an investigator for the VA's office of the Inspector General in Nashville, and he was also a former Marine named Nate Landcammer. Okay. Nate ends up being extremely important. Okay. So, All right. Guess what Nate and his team uncovered? It's all BS. The documents and medals were fakes and forgeries. Oh, my gosh. Chuck had never received any awards. He was never injured. He had never been shot at, nor did he ever see combat. I also had read that he was brought back to the States early and given a desk job. So he had been over in Vietnam, but he didn't last long over there. But he was receiving disability checks every month which was about $3,200, for having 100% PTSD. But he'd never been in combat. Oh, jeez. All right, I quit. Right. Chuck had forged documents and had doctored old service records from other service men. Oh, And he would insert his name and use official-looking stamps to get the forged documents entered into his military records and receive higher benefits from the VA, even though he lied about his service. Just disgusting. All right. That's it. This man is disgusting. Light him on fire, push him over a cliff. Right? Ugh. I'm guessing it gets better. Yes. Okay, good. Mm Mm-hmm. Martha Ann even got in on that action. Uh, Of course she did. She showed up at a veterans retreat and spoke. Martha Ann claimed to have retired full bird colonel in the Marine Corps. What? The Google box says that the title full bird colonel is a slang term that means that you are a senior commissioned officer with at least 19 years of service in the military. The colonel insignia is the silver eagle. For this reason, a colonel is sometimes referred to as a full bird colonel to distinguish from a lieutenant colonel who is one rank below. But Martha Ann had never served in the military. What? Never once. So she's touting all of this accomplishment. Yeah. And it's total BS. Yes. She even claimed to have seen Ugh. combat and would show off her purple heart that she claimed to have gotten working at the Pentagon during the 9-11 attacks. People like this need to deserve, they deserve to be die in a fiery car crash. <laughs> you know whose purple heart that really was? Oh, God, whose? It was Bob's. Bob had earned Ugh. that purple Bob had earned that purple heart, putting his life on the line for this country. 
And she's taking it around this country, telling people that it's her Purple Heart for surviving the 9-11 attacks on the Pentagon, that she was there. She's telling people that she was there. Just Jeez. disgusting. I, Martha, I'm going to punch you think in the of, face. Think of, oh, I, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I know. I know. Because Chuck and Martha Ann were bringing in about $10,000 a month from veteran benefits and were claiming disability caused by years of military service, the couple were put on surveillance. Good. Yeah. About freaking time. Martha Ann was claiming that she was wheelchair bound because of a bad back. But she was recorded walking around normally and working for hours in their front yard. She would like be picking up huge rocks so, and moving them and like bending over. Of and, all things to claim, why right. would you claim you're wheelchair bound? Because it's because really you get more money. To, no, I get that. But <laughs> right. then you have to be in a wheelchair. Right. You have to fully put on a show the entire time. Right. But they weren't. And this was just about money, you guys. It would be easier to just claim that you're incontinent or something. Right. That you wear a diaper. Yeah. Or okay. ED. I would just claim ED. Erectile dysfunction? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because then you couldn't, no one could prove it. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway. Oh, gosh. But Chuck was also claiming that he was in a wheelchair and was housebound and unable to feed himself, shower, or wipe his own butt. Okay, and that so is Mar- this couple going out on stage in wheelchairs? Yes. No, no, they weren't. No, let me let me okay, finish. Sorry. Okay, oh my God. I know. Right. And he he said that Martha Ann was his full time caregiver. Sure. Okay, but she's supposed to be in a wheelchair all the time too. Same with him. Yeah. So how is she the, his full time caregiver? Okay, but they have recordings of him walking around doing yard work and pressure washing the driveway. Sure. Here's what's funny. You ready for this? So they would have to go in every few months to the VA facility just to have checkups and sure. talk about what's going on in their lives and all that kind of stuff, right? So they have they have video recordings of Martha bringing Chuck to his appointment, and she's jumping into the bed of their truck to get out this heavy wheelchair, lifting this heavy wheelchair, putting it on the ground, and then lifting him out of the seat because they're putting on a show because they're at the VA office and wheeling him in this wheelchair into the offices, right? And then two weeks later, it would be her appointment. So then he would do the same thing for her. I swear. Oh, my God. I swear. Because they only had one wheelchair. They shared one wheelchair. (laughs) I know. This is crazy. Here's the bigger picture. Okay. Aside from all of this. Right. How much fraud is goes on on a day-to-day basis like this? A lot. It's gotta be astronomical. A lot. That's that's all I'm thinking about right now is these people took fraud to a whole new level. Oh yeah. But scale it back. How many people are just claiming to just have little things and getting it? That's a lot of people. A lot. That's why I'm always driving around going, how the hell do people afford all this stuff? And they're sitting in their houses all day. Okay, sorry. I, I don't want to get on so pissed already. <laughs> I know. Go. I knew this was going to piss you off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. In July of 2012, Chuck and Martha Ann were called down to the local VA offices together purposely. Nate did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. He called them down at the same time <laughs> because he wanted to see what they were going to do. Okay. So Martha Ann... Was in a wheelchair. Was in the wheelchair, 
She got to be the wheelchair one. Okay. And Chuck walked in with a cane and a walker with a knee brace and carrying an oxygen tank. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? I swear. And they got some poor sucker to push her in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Yep. Isn't that crazy? You know what I would do? What? I would push them out of the wheelchair and release a dog <laughs> and see how they react. You like know what a they mean do? dog? They jump up and take off running. Yeah, and probably. Be like, and done. Yep. And you're a fraud. All right. Well, the couple were separated, questioned, and confronted with the evidence right then and there. They both confessed and admitted to the fraud. Ugh. They were arrested that day on eight federal indictments. They both pled guilty. In early 2013, Chuck was sentenced to 30 months in a federal prison. That's it? Yes. And Martha Ann received 20 months in a federal prison. I know. 20? I know. That's it. Mm -hmm. After Martha Ann's conviction, though, she was ordered to pay restitution, which meant selling she and Bob's retirement cabin. Martha Ann signed over power of attorney to her oldest son, Sean, who was now living in Tennessee with his family. As the house was being cleaned out and getting ready to be sold, Sean found his mom's laptop and decided this would be great to give to his kids. He began cleaning it out and making sure there wasn't anything on that laptop that the kids shouldn't see. Sure. Like any dad would do. Mm -hmm. Getting ready to wipe the trash bin clean... Sean noticed some pictures that hadn't been deleted, had just been put into the trash bin, Uh not deleted. They were pictures of Bob, pictures Uh of Bob dead. The same pictures that had been found on Chuck's digital camera almost 10 years before. Uh, Like somebody had just uploaded them onto the laptop. The pictures that were inadmissible in court because they were discovered without a warrant. Gotcha. Sean had never seen the pictures before, but he knew in his gut that he had discovered something very important. He called the local sheriff's department and then called Nate, who was the investigator from the Veterans Affairs. And Bob's case was immediately reopened because that was just really suspicious. Of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sean agreed to cooperate with the investigation and have a taped conversation with his mom from prison. He asked her what she wanted him to do with the photos he had found on her laptop. All she said was, delete them. Oh, jeez. Everyone listening in on that conversation knew at that moment that Martha Ann had something to do with the death of her husband, Bob. Of course she did. Yep. Now it was time to talk with Chuck. What's up, Chuck? Yep. And oh boy, did Chuck sing like a canary. (sighs) Chuck's a wimp. Sorry, I don't like you, Chuck. Heck no, because he's faked being a hero. He's a horrible person. He told investigators that Bob's death was not an accident or a suicide. Martha Ann had murdered him. And then there's that. Their affair had started a month before Bob's death in April of 2006. Bob was a homebody and Chuck liked to travel and see the world. So that intrigued Martha Ann. Sure. She was... She was done being stuck at home. But divorce was out of the question. Why? Because she wanted Bob's military benefits and the house. It was all about money. Okay. 100% about money. All right. The only way to get those was to kill him. 
Clearly. Was for him to be dead. Right. When Bob had gotten ill, he had signed over power of attorney to Martha Ann, which she in turn used the signatures on that document to forge a new will, leaving her with everything and only leaving Bob's sister and his daughter from his first marriage one dollar. Oh, God. To which Martha Ann made sure to mail out after Bob had died with a note that read, Bob wanted you to have this. I would have uh, a disgusting I don't know human what I being. Done. I would have done something terrible. So this is what Chuck says happened, right? And right. how Bob this is his confession. Died. This is his confession. Gotcha. So Martha Ann then began crushing up Bob's PTSD medication, which Martha lovingly nicknamed Magic Dust, okay. and slipped it into his favorite dinner. The first two times she did this, it resulted in an overdose, and then they drove Bob to a hospital three hours away hoping that he would die in the car. Clearly. Okay. But the last dose that she gave him was fatal because she gave him more. Gotcha. Yeah. Only Bob did not die right away after this third dose. Right. So Martha had given Bob a much larger dose in his dinner on the night of the 14th. Okay. Bob was still alive when Martha Ann left for work on the morning of the 15th. He was still alive. The plan was that Chuck would come to the house in the afternoon and find Bob's deceased body and call 911. Martha Ann would be at work all day, and that was her alibi. But when Chuck got to the cabin, he found Bob on the floor in the bathroom, still alive, but barely. Chuck manhandled Bob into his recliner and sat down across from Bob and watched him die. Ugh. After the staging was complete, Chuck then called 911. Martha Ann planned the entire murder so she would receive almost a million-dollar payout and monthly VA and disability payments as the spouse of Bob McClancy. Chuck and Martha Ann were charged with first-degree murder. If If Chuck agreed to testify truthfully against his wife and plead guilty to conspiracy, he would not be charged with murder and only be sentenced to 25 years in prison. 61-year-old Chuck took the deal. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. He'd be 86, so yeah, not like he's going to run around much. Right. On November 16th, 2015, the murder trial began. Martha Ann was now 66 years old and had a long gray ponytail, a back brace, and a walker. <laughs> yeah, she did not look healthy. She looked like this little old lady, this like little witch good yeah trips and breaks a freaking hip i know so chuck got up on the stand and testified against martha repeating the exact same story he had told investigators months before but would the jury believe a convicted con man and professional liar i mean he's he's a professional liar would the jury believe that's true because the defense attorney could say he's just saying that because he actually did it. Exactly. And that's what Martha's attorney did say. And Martha's mm. attorney also pointed out that he could have taken the deal and turned against Martha Ann because he was upset that she had filed for divorce the same morning the police had come to talk with Chuck. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Plot thickens. Martha Ann's eldest son, Sean, testified for the prosecution, explaining to the jury the details of the pictures that were found in the laptop. Because the actual photos were not allowed in court. Gotcha. But Sean could tell the jury what the photos were of and what they looked like. 
But in another source that I read, the photos were part of Martha Ann's appeal. So to me, that makes me think that they were allowed in as evidence in the original trial. Gotcha. But, you know, there's always different information. So you just got to go with your gut, I guess. On the fourth day of the trial, Martha Ann was called to testify. She once again claimed her innocence and that she loved Bob and wanted to take care of him for the rest of her life. Martha Ann also testified that she believed Bob had died from an accidental overdose. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. On November 20th, 2015, the jury came back with a surprising verdict. Oh, gosh. They had thrown out the first-degree murder charge and found Martha Ann guilty of a lesser charge. She was guilty of attempting first-degree murder and guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. I was so confused when I read that. How could... Okay. He died. Right. He died. So how could you be attempting first-degree murder? So maybe they could not agree that there is beyond doubt that she actually killed him. Right. But clearly she attempted to kill him. Right. Because so they can't, it can't be first degree because it was sort of indirect. And probably as a jury, they probably doubted even a little bit of what Chuck was saying because of his past. Right. It, and it and which one they me. can't really prove. They know that as a result between the two of them, he died. But they can't pin a direct first degree murder on one. Yes, and that's conspiracy. So they probably said, all right, we can't, obviously we can't let them go free. So what can we agree on? Right. Well, a conspiracy to commit murder is when at least two people form an agreement to commit a crime. Mm -hmm. And at least one of them does some act in furtherance to committing the crime. Each person is punishable in the same manner and to the same extent as is provided for the punishment of the crime itself. So that's conspiracy. Now, attempted first-degree murder is when a person with the intent to actually commit the murder takes a step to commit the murder, but ultimately fails to commit the murder. Okay, but Bob died. Bob died from the drug overdose that she gave him. So that's not attempted. That actually followed through. Yeah, he's not still alive. Yeah, so this just doesn't make sense to me. But... I, Although I'll we're continue. not sitting on the jury no, and seeing what they're not saying. at all. That has to be so hard. Right. So hard to do that. On June 24th, 2016, Martha Ann was given the maximum sentence for what the law allowed. Two consecutive 25-year sentences. She'd be eligible for parole after serving 15 years. This is what the judge had to say at sentencing. This was a sustained effort to kill a man to poison him until he was dead in an exceptionally cruel manner. A bullet would have been much more merciful. Wow. He yeah. was pissed off. He he was so angry at her. You could just tell. Yeah. Like his face was red. Oh, he was so pissed. But in August of 2019, Martha Ann won her appeal and her sentence was cut in half. What? She was sentenced to 25 years and will be eligible for parole in 2023. Next year. When she is 72 years old. The judge ruled that the law prohibits dual convictions for attempt and conspiracy to commit the same offense. Martha Ann is serving the remainder of her sentence at the Tennessee Prison for Women in Nashville. So basically what they were saying is that she was... 
she won her appeal because they're saying you can't convict her of the same thing twice. Right. Mm-hmm. Not crazy. Oh, my gosh. I know. I wonder what how the jury you, what, feels okay, now. Here, here's the thing for all of our 11 listeners. Okay. What do you have to do to actually go to prison for the rest of your life if this doesn't constitute it? I don't know. Because we almost no one does death penalty anymore. So, so no. what do you have to do? <sighs> That's a good question. Oh, all right. All right. I don't know. Dexter <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, I got a lot to tell you about Dexter, darling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ready for a fun fact? Oh, God, yeah. I have two fun facts for you. Okay. All right. Martha Ann and Chuck were married twice. The first time what? was in Las Vegas in October of 2006, the day after Martha Ann turned 57. She had to wait to remarry until after the age of 57 or she wouldn't get Bob's veteran benefits anymore. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Three years later, they were married again. There was a stipulation with Bob's so- social security benefits that stated that she could not remarry until after the age of 60 or risk losing that monthly income. So one day after turning 60, they got married again. Wait, okay, so when they got divorced? No, they just fudged the paperwork. Stop. I swear, they were professional, Uh, like, forgers. Okay, so they got remarried, but in a different state, evidently. Yes, so one was in Las Vegas, and the other one, I think, was... But wouldn't um, wouldn't they see that... Somewhere else. Wouldn't they see that they're already married to that person when they file for the benefits? I don't I don't know. Unless she used her married name the first time and the second time she used her maiden name. But it's still I don't linked. know how they no, did I it. Know. I couldn't, I, I know, I couldn't the- figure it out. There was no information on how they did it. I just know that they got married two times. But that's still all leaked leaked linked to social security numbers. Right. So unless the they social- gave fake social security numbers. They were professional fraud and forgerers. (laughs) And unfortunately, like I was pointing out, they are not alone. No, no. There's thousands of people that are doing this every single day. But that's why they have investigators like Nate who come in and catch them. But look how much work they had to go through just for these two schmucks. Right. I read that they had swindled the American people out of over half a million dollars. That's it? That's it. I thought it would be a lot more than that. I thought it would be a lot more than that, too. But there's... Well, okay, but they're running around when they were... When she was doing the whole... The circuit going on stage and talking. And right. doing this or doing that. And they're drawing pay from different groups. Right. Riding and, around with Dick Cheney. No, that was all fake. That job with the FBI was fake. Oh, okay. So she yeah, didn't sorry. actually get the job. I thought no. you meant she faked her way into getting the job. No, I'm sorry if anybody was confused. Oh, okay. I must have so skipped she never over got. She never did actually have that job. No, that was a lie. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry. So, so ultimately, they really did nothing. No, they did nothing. They just, they got to be heroes. They got to be up on stage and oh my gosh. be okay. heroes. But right. no. She never worked for the FBI, never worked for the State Department. That was all a lie, and that was a lie so that she didn't have to keep in contact with Bob's family or her family. Gotcha. Okay, that because makes sense. Because they would call her that, or email her. That's why her. the, hey, I got a super secret right. 007 job. And, and I might not be able to get back to you for like right. one or two months. 
So it kind of gave I'm, them the freedom to do what they wanted to do without people I'm asking super questions. Deep undercover. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, right. that was all fake too. Their entire life was fake. These were two people that I have no idea how these two people came together. Like, how does that happen? These two know. people with no conscience and no soul find each other and do this. You want to hear my observation of all this in general? Well, hold on. Okay, let me let me say one more Sorry. fun fact. Fun fact. And then you can tell me your observation after this. Right. Okay, another fun fact. You know how I said Chuck was a retired firefighter? Yes. Okay. Well, he was, but he was also a suspected arsonist. <sighs> Yeah. In 2001, Chuck was brought up on arson charges, but they were dropped. The judge in that case did ask Chuck to seek counseling. <laughs> he was suspected of starting numerous fires, then reporting them, and then helping to put them out. He was a hero. Oh, I think Chuck had some sort of hero complex. Oh, my God. Like he wanted to have the acknowledgement and the admiration of being a hero. That's job security for firefighters. But it's a fake hero. Right. Mm -hmm. He's just full of crap. What a giant steaming pile of crap. Yes. Chuck, I hope you're okay, so, oh, not yeah. treated very well in prison. What what ultimately happened to him? He he's in prison. Stood with the original what his yeah. plea deal was? Yeah, so he's in prison. Because he was already convicted years. on and said, all right, and he agreed to a conviction of twenty five years. Yes. In for conspiracy. To, in order to testify against her. So he's got 25 years for conspiracy. Gotcha. Yeah. So he can't appeal because he already basically agreed to that. Yeah, he accepted the deal. So there is no pleading. Wow. Yeah. All right. He's going to walk out of prison a completely different man. Yeah. <laughs> he won't be walking out of prison. <laughs> He'll walk out, but he can't hold anything in. What's, his, diaper. what's his prison so, name? Uh oh, I would say <laughs> I would just nickname him What's Up Chuck because everything is up Chuck. In the, in the I thought you were gonna say up the butt Chuck. <laughs> okay, I could say that too, yeah. Good good. Oh my god. Okay, so Daniel, so, Daniel, what did you think of my case? Oh god. I know it's a lot. It's just uh, People are horrible. So what's your observation? My observation is, do you realize that everyone's doing these things, these murders, these these conspiracies, and in reality, all they're trying to attempt to get is the equivalent of, say, one to two million dollars at the most of essentially like a retirement account. Yeah. That's it. Right. We're not talking about them conspiring to try and get $100 million. No. This is chump change. That I mean, that's all white collar crime stuff. Right. This is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Right. They spend so much time and effort trying to murder and lie. In reality, it's only for what would be the equivalent of a decent, not even a good, like a halfway decent retirement income. That's it. That's true. It's absolutely true. I mean, you could just work slightly harder- and have that. And you don't have to kill anyone. You don't have to divorce. You don't have to cheat anyone out of the this, this system or anything. Right. But people are lazy. But the, they don't want to work that They went through all hard. this effort and work to literally get not even a million dollars. And even in the end, they didn't get that. Right. And to forge 
and their life's ruined and they ruined all these other people's lives. Yes, yes. And took the life of a decent- a great guy. Great American hero. So the moral of the story is, if you don't like someone, just divorce them and leave them and do something else. Yes, please. Divorce is better than murder. Oh my gosh. Unless I'm murdering Daniel. Right. No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to murder you. I got to stop saying that because people are believing me. Yeah. Don't believe me. I am full of crap. Sure. I am sarcastic. Be sarcastic. Yes. I'm just joking. So we good? Do you have any more questions? No. I'm kind of embarrassed that I skipped over that part where I said that everything that she had claimed was fake about her FBI job. No, that makes sense. I know, I but guess I'm I, kind I of didn't embarrassed. Catch that right away. Okay. Hopefully our list eleven listeners aren't disappointed in me. Because that would have made quite the news. It would have. For a, a vice president to have been basically swindled and conned. Right. Because it does happen. I don't think she was telling people that she was working for Dick Cheney. It's just that she was riding in, or she was flying in Air Force Two. Right. But, but right. that that's what that leads to. She was just such an amazing secretary. Ugh. You know, office whiz. Sure. That they wanted her at the State Department. Yeah. Nope. False. Fake. No more questions. <laughs> All right. Well, keep listening to podcasts. Keep listening to our podcast and be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Unless you appeal.